The Writer's Room, a 7th C podcast, is endorsed by Chaosium, Inc. For more information, visit www.chaosiuminc.com forward slash 7th C and use the code WRITER10 for 10% off your next site-wide purchase. Limit one per customer. Hello, friends. Come on in. And that door is still creaking. We love it, Officer Cheshire. Thank you. Welcome back, friends. I hope you've come hungry, because there is a very heavy dinner to come. But before that, I have an announcement to make. There is a special surprise in the middle of this episode, before the mid-reel. And I would like to take this moment to shout out Miss Jolene Kaur. Jolene and I have worked on this for a few months, and finally, it is ready to be released. I obviously don't want to spoil it, so I'll explain more at the back half of this episode. Jolene Kaur is amazing, and she is also in the Crit Awards, nominated for Best Original Track. The link in the description will bring you to the Crit Awards, where you can vote for Jolene, myself, Patrick, and a multitude of other amazing creators. Voting ends July 9th, and the winners will be announced at Gen Con on Thursday the 3rd at 6pm. I'd also like to welcome a new officer to the roster, Officer Durs. He is going to be standing pretty at the door to greet you whenever you come in. Alright, I think that's it. Officer Nightgale is serving the tea right now. Officer Raven has fluffed all of the pillows. Officer Covington has already passed out your favorite stuffies. Officers Tarkin and Stewart are on milk duty. No milk, boys? Wonderful. And V has the book for me. Yes, thank you, thank you. Don't look at me in that tone of voice. There may or may not be a cliffhanger at the end of this one. I don't know. Anyway, let's begin, shall we? <clears throat> Article 7. The Secrets We Keep. A few hours have gone by after the incident in Mallory's lab. The scuttlebutt around is that Mallory had created some new gunpowder that was so potent that it fused their door shut. Wesley updates all of you with the new news. After Wesley leaves Diego, where do we find him? Diego's in his bunk, and he's pulled out some deep boxes that haven't been seen in a while, and pulls out sort of a cone of leather and it's an old plague doctor mask because if he's seen around the palace it's going to be pretty clear he doesn't belong but if they have disguises that are masked then he can walk around a little bit better oh Diego that rules wow coming out of the gate running jeez Diego well, while you're sitting there, from behind the red door, down the hall, you can hear the sound of the world screaming. Which means Amboise has returned. The scream is followed by the thump, 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 thump of Diego. <laughs> Just waiting there at the door when he comes through. Amboise opens the door while holding a tray of scones. Oh, scones. 
Where did you get that tray of scones? Don't ask. Are those whey scones? Oh, no, 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 no. no. <laughs> <laughs> please, please let me eat the whey scones. No. I want to eat the whey scones so no, bad. No, don't eat the whey scones. Bad, Mallory. <laughs> Spit it out. Whey scones are not a proper source of protein. You need to eat your dinner before you can have whey scones. <laughs> spoil your appetite oh, and your mind no. and your body and everything. Spoil everything. <laughs> your oh. spiritual health. All right, so you've got scones. And they're not from the whey, which is very important. <laughs> Even Diego. Uh, 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 scone? No, thank you. I, uh, I had a lot to, to eat at lunch. Uh, how how are you? How was your travels? Well, you will be very pleased to know that you and your lovebird think the same way. You're connected in more ways than one would expect. A way of getting messages sent back and forth has been established. I do ask that you show some restraint. I only have so much blood in my body. Of course, whatever you need. Here, I... We can get Dala to set up a transfusion. I can give you some of mine. That, that, uh, that is not what I mean. I'll be fine. I was only slightly kidding, but no, of course, whatever you need. Take care of yourself first, my friend. Mm. Have you pulled out the chalkboard yet? Yes. That's in a drawer, isn't it? So this first time is going to be the physical exchange. Every time after that is going to be the drawer. So the chalkboard is actually underneath the tray of scones. So he slides it out. So despite Diego's large size, when he sees Liliana's handwriting, he does like the little tip-tap toes. I don't know how to describe it. Like when you get really excited and you're just like, you do the little wiggle. <laughs> oh, no. yep, I can do whatever I want. And that's what I'm making him do. That's so cute. What the fuck? He's got happy feet because he's a dancer at heart. Diego, the bathroom bucket is over there. <laughs> very funny, very funny. Let me see that. Here you go. So what did I miss? <laughs> he smells it, and it's the Castilian moon lily. So it's very clearly hers. And yeah, you definitely asked him a question, but he is not processing that right now. You're going to be a moment, aren't you? Huh? Oh, oh, yes. Uh, what you missed while you were gone. Um, something about Mallory had gunpowder or something. The fuse, the door closed. Even Dala was struggling with it. I, I wouldn't have done any better. Look, I'm good with swords, but she is good with an axe. Let me tell you, I don't know how that door took so many hits. For what it's worth, our ship has good wood. Got that right. But uh, apparently everyone was okay. So I guess that is all you can ask for. The less entries we have to make in the medical records, the better. I can't agree more. Say, uh, what, what can I do to, to repay you? This, uh, this means the world to me. <sighs> do you need to rapier sharpen? What can we do for you? Here's what I need from you. I need you to plan ahead. D'accord? Of course. If you want to be spending time with her again, figure out how you are going to do it, what you will need from the rest of us, and how we can make it happen. I agree. This chalkboard is great, but 
It is not going to be enough. It never is. I will think on it and come up with a plan that is not too taxing on you. <laughs> and we'll, we'll figure it out. Fair enough. Oh, and uh, I was looking at your book, and I think we are going to need to be doing some training if you are going to wield such a weapon. The metal is made out of his heavier stuff, so it might look like a long sword, but it will feel like a claymore. Mm. So we're going to have to get you on some upper body training exercises to make sure your arms can handle it. Let me guess. Push-ups, pull-ups, bicep curls, the usual things? No, we are going to go directly to weapon training with this one. We're going to have you swing a sword underwater. Uh, okay. Not now. You need your rest, of course. Yeah. Uh, I let Dala take a look at it. She was pointing out some places on the map. Potentially places to look or people to try to talk to. I will check in with her at some point. Sounds good. We are... Our course is set, so even if you did find something super useful, it <laughs> would not do us too much good. So relax, enjoy yourself. You've earned it. <laughs> Relaxing. <sighs> not with that girl on the ship. And Amboise is going to start walking off. So the camera follows Amboise for a little while. It's got this plate of scones. We'll say that Gabriella is out doing her thing. Probably in the cannons or some shit. Always topless because fuck clothes. With her kilt, right? Like... Oh, yeah. We might be wandering around topless, but we must represent. These are my clan's colors, okay? As you walk by, she grabs a scone, shoves it in her mouth. You hear Wesley excitedly telling Barcroft the hot goss as you walk by both of them. Wesley grabs one and then uh, reaches and grabs another one and hands it to Barcroft. What is this? It's a scone. Just eat it. Anyway, so there I was. They're becoming fast friends. You've also just canonized that anytime Amboise goes off on a, a day trip, he comes back with scones. So. Yes, yes. <laughs> he comes back with scones. The camera kind of follows Amboise for a little bit, and then it transitions off to Dala. Dala, where are you? What are you doing? I think she would have gone back to the infirmary for a little bit as things kind of cooled off and everyone kind of dispersed back to their own spaces and then probably gone to Angelica's quarters as like, hey, that was a thing that just happened. I should probably check in. When Angelica stepped out of Mallory's lab, she walked over to Saya, put an arm around her, and then the two of them walked back to her cabin without saying a word to anyone else. And Dala would probably notice that there is blood on the door and in like a couple drips leading into the captain's quarters. Zoe, I'd like to remove the lashes that I took last game. I was just about to ask if you were going to do that. And also, if you wouldn't mind, I do believe you placed a kiss on Mallory's forehead. That's not just a term of endearment for fate witches. Could you please tell us what that kiss actually means? That kiss was a major blessing. Aww. I took more lashes than I needed to, but now Mallory has three bonus dice for any risk that you choose to spend them on. Now, there's always a chance that Angelica doesn't take lashes, but every time you fuck with fate, it gets real bad real fast. She could avoid the, like, physical pain that is incurred, but the other option is sometimes and usually worse than being hurt. 
So she usually just grits her teeth and takes it. Speaking of, I take six wounds, which puts me past one dramatic. Oh. By the way, speaking of dramatic wounds, Diego, all of yours are cured. You're back to full health now, so you can wipe those all clean. Thank you, Dala. And Boaz, I think you have one from opening the way to go to school. And one from coming back. Okay, so you have two as well. Yep. Two dramatic? Mm-hmm. Wow. Damn. You're not looking great either. It's the same thing with Fate Witches. Amboise could choose not to harm himself, but then the wound in the world doesn't close. Oh. And oddly enough, according to the camera, he looks fine. Scone fixes a lot of problems. (laughs) (laughs) They're really good scones. You know what? It is canon. They are called way scones. They are a specific type of scone that the pastry chefs at your school make specifically for Porte users. Are they like extra hearty so they don't get all fucked up on the way? Somehow they're still very flaky and buttery. They don't taste like blood at all. <laughs> they do use blood instead of egg, so... Fuck. Oh, so they're like all pink and... Oh, no. Just don't question it. Haunting. Oh, Wesley God. was so eager to eat them. <laughs> need to know. I just don't tell anybody the secret of the waistcoats. We're probably not eating enough iron anyway. It's good for all of us. It's fine. We're gonna, uh, I'm gonna eventually make a cookbook. Uh, it's gonna have the burnt crust shepherd's pie. Oh my God. <laughs> shepherd's pie that you can choose to cook an extra 30 minutes and burn it. For the uh, authenticity. It's alternate Mallory instructions. <laughs> anyway, when you go to Angelica's room, Dala would follow behind a little bit quicker. Knowing that Angelica's hurt, she would go into the infirmary gather up what she thinks she might need. Your go bag? Yeah, exactly. She grabs the go bag and follows her captain, walking kind of quickly. I'm like, mm, that didn't look good. And then she will knock politely on the door. A moment later, Saya opens the door. <laughs> Tala will just hold up the med bag at first when she opens it, of kind of like, and looks at her knowingly of like, mm, let me in. Saya just leaves the door open for you to enter and walks back to Angelica. Angelica is taking off one of her long gloves, drops it. It's clearly, like, got some dark spots on it. You can see where, like, almost like razor wire would have wrapped around her arm. She takes her coat off, hangs that up somewhere, and there's, like, a lash across her back. And I think she probably, like, takes off a boot. And you see that, like, blood is trickling down the front of her leg. And I'm assuming Dala's seen this before on Angelica... I think mostly on the arms. The one on the back is new. Yeah, mostly it's like little cuts, but this was a lot all at once. So it kind of went all over this time. Dala will get straight to work. Like, not really say anything. Put her bag down, start taking stuff out, and like, gently hold her hand out to see her arm, like, look her over, and just very calmly starts patching her up for a little bit. Angelica is a obedient patient. This has been done so many times before. She just sits and lets herself be, like, tended to by Saya and Dala. Oh, yeah. Dala will hand over some gauze and stuff and just let Saya help. Yeah. Saya tends to the lesser ones. The cuts, too, aren't deep. Angelica seems more exhausted than, like, hurt from blood loss. There's more than just the lacerations that comes with this price that she pays. So she's head down, also kind of quiet. Can I fix Dala's thread here? Yes. I was hoping you were going to do that. Same brain. 
Yeah, while you're tending to her injuries, she very quietly just reaches out with one hand, and I will tug on Dala's fate thread gently, so I'm not like holding her in place or affecting her, but uh, I will try and mend the tear it off piece and, and put it back together. Now, Dala, what does that look like? Dala has a little bit of her thread coming off of her, and then it's like snapped, and Angelica's connecting it back to the one that like disappears off. I imagine it kind of ties itself into like a fancy rope-like ship knot. Ooh, uh, love that. Like a real a real strong, like intricate one. The one that comes to my mind is a Carrick knot. It is one of the strongest knots, but it's also one of the more complicated ones. Very cool. What do I see? I'll give you this. And I don't think it was explicitly clear when you mended Astra's strand. The creature that you were interacting with was kind of wild and savage and didn't really have a lot of intelligence. It didn't have the cognitive ability of foresight or wisdom or anything like that. It was just acting on animal instincts. So when you mended the thread, you got that sense of like coming out of a fever. Knowledge was flooding back in as you were fixing that thread. And so whatever you fixed, whatever you gave back, whatever was missing has been returned. Dala's you kind of notice, and Dala, if you don't mind, I'll give you a hero point for kind of taking a little bit of agency from you. You felt a little drained and a little weak. The whole door thing kind of fucked you up, but for some reason the door just wouldn't open. Something was wrong with you. Something was missing. Angelica, when Tia had these strands, she had Dala's strength and Astra's intelligence. Fuck. Fuck. <laughs> So to clarify, when I repair a thread, I'm not getting, like, visions of that person's life? No. Okay. That was a specific thing for Astra because he's a devi. Okay. Dala definitely slows down what she's doing and, like, watches Angelica do this. If she can see the threads in her hands as she's doing it, she's definitely, like, patching her up, but also peeking over her shoulder, like, whoa. I think when she finishes with your knot, like, doing that very complicated sailor's knot, she just, like, gives it, like, the smallest little tug, and then let's go. I love the idea that there's a physical reaction of just, like, woo, oh, it's back now. Yeah. <laughs> you look better when you stand up straight, Miss Bronson. Thank you, Captain. Thank you. So that was something earlier. For now, Dr. McCoy's business is their business. And I will speak to them tonight about it. Is that understood? Yes, Captain. I feel like I barged in where I wasn't welcome, and I wanted to apologize. And I am also going to apologize to Dr. Mallory. It wasn't my place. Dala, you may have saved Mallory's life. You may have saved our lives. She gestures between the two of them. I trust you... Not to break what should not be broken, and to fix things that are. I do my best. That has always been enough for me and the crew of the Thorn. If you feel you would like to apologize to the Doctor, that is between you and them, but as far as I am concerned, you performed your duties as well as can be expected. Before, Dala seemed a little... Not uncomfortable, but just, like, not quite herself because of, like, the strength being gone and just everything that happened. I think now she kind of, like, 
shoulders are more relaxed, like kind of nods to herself, like, okay, I fixed things. Thank you, Captain. Depending on how long it takes her to get treatment, I guess she would work on fixing herself too. How many dramatic wounds did you have? I had one. One? So one hour with Dala. Hey, Angelica. Yeah. What did Tia take from you? She took her patience. (gasps) Shit. Makes sense, right? Damn. So for a brief moment, Angelica, Tia, this non-fate thread holding thing had patience, had strength, and had intelligence. Which might be why she waited to do anything. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Angelica, as she's holding her own thread and begins to fix it, she can't knot it because there is, you know, it's like a vine covered in thorns. And so she almost starts to weave it like you would if you were weaving grasses and braid it back together again. As she's weaving Dala, you see she gets very close to a section of her thread that is darker than the rest. And her hand might even brush up against that section as she's repairing her own thread. And her brow furrows, same as her wife. And then shakes out of it and lets go and the thread vanishes out of normal mortal sight. A ship cat is in your quarters, by the way. Yeah. Which one? Acorn. (laughs) Sure. She'll reach over and just give them little ear scritches. I need to rest. Tell Mallory to meet me here for dinner. Aye, Captain. And Saya. There is no answer. She is still head down, focused on her work. Saya. She's wrapped the same wrap at least three times now. I'll put my hand on her shoulder. Huh. Are you trying to mummify me? No. No, that requires many more bandages. No, it, it was just a joke. Uh, I'm sorry, Mirasamudra. She cups Saya's cheek with her hand. Are you okay? <sighs> I hope to be. There's just... She shakes her head, holds her collar a little close. Something that I need to consult. I need some time alone. You are dismissed, Miss Bronson. Dalek gives Angelica a pat on the shoulder that's like harder than most people, but not enough to hurt. And kind of nods at them both and packs up her stuff. It's like, okay, we're done here. I'm not welcome <laughs> anymore. It's fine. Goodbye. Even as Dala leaves, Angelica relaxes even a bit more than she had been. Dala's her doctor, so there's less like bravado when she's being treated, but there's still this like need to be a little bit on. So once Dala is out, Angelica is fully just like staring at the ceiling of the cabin. She just calls out, laying in bed. Kieran! Muffled from above the deck. (laughs) She waits. To the door, opens the door. What? What? I just got comfy. What? You have command of the ship. Me? Sai and I need some time. Oh, uh, I don't 
want uh, You're lucky I love both of you. <laughs> He's grumbling the whole time. Oh, I love him. <laughs> yeah, that's all then. She just had to place someone she could trust totally and implicitly in charge for a while. And as the camera rolls along the floor with a wave, it passes by one of the pillows in the passion pit and comes out the other side in Mallory's lab. Alvara Alciniega has not returned. She is kind of like perusing around the ship. It's just you in your lab with your broken door, which I feel like it can go back into the threshold, but it doesn't stay there without being propped up. It can be propped up closing it. But it can't open. And there's a hole in the center of it. (laughs) There is some axe chops, yes. So it's not perfect. But Dala will offer to move it for you whenever you'd like if you want it (laughs) open or closed. Till she gets around to fixing it. Which will be soon. After all of that happened, Mallory spent a good long time just cupping the little blue stone in their palms. And breathing air onto it like they're trying to thaw a block of ice in their hand. And as they get lightheaded from the heavy breathing, they get sort of dizzy. And the fear and realization of, oh god, oh god, they know, starts to overtake their concern just for Coco. And they think of Dala pounding on the door, and how much it sounded like the Inquisition pounding on their door back in Castile. Back when heresy changed from this abstract notion to an actual charge being actively leveraged against them. I have to go. So they're packing, currently. And it's not a lot of stuff. And they figure they can leave a fair bit of it here. But the telescope goes in their bag, and some of their more irreplaceable instruments, their tools, get rolled up in the nice leather portfolios. Roll that, put it in the bag, everything is going into this large, waterproofed canvas satchel. And all the while, they're whispering small reassurances to the stone, not expecting a response. I've got you. I'm not putting you down. Don't worry. Hold steady one second, darling. I just need to grab this. After a while of silence, you hear in your head. Doctor, what are you doing? Do you think I should bring this? And they hold up some elixir they made a while ago. Doctor. I mean, a reagent like this won't be all that useful for us, but is it valuable? Doctor. could sell for a fair bit if we find an alchemist to appraise it. Mallory. Yes, I'm, I'm listening. Do me a favor. Anything. Take a seat. (sighs) All right. Mallory sits. Put me down in front of you, please. You can let go. It's all right. Mallory places the stone on their leg, really, as they sit. The camera sees a bunch of tendrils of smoke leak out of this stone. Those tendrils grow in volume and size until we see a person sitting in front of Mallory. No, wait, you don't have the strength for that. I'll always have strength for this. And we pan up, pan up, and we don't get to see the face, but we watch as arms just reach out and grab Mallory and bring them in for a close hug. You can hear very clearly, it's not that weird telepathic echo anymore. It's Coco speaking. I apologize for causing you so much trouble. But you don't have to pack everything up and leave on account of me. You saw those wings. There's... I think Saya might be, you know, 
an Ahura? Yes. You're not wrong. And you don't think that might be an issue? Oh, it is a very big issue. But it does not frighten me. Maybe it should. Are you afraid? Yes. I don't know. What if she does something to you? What if she banishes you? Then I will return to the lighthouse. The lighthouse that's fucking impossible to find. That only I found by accident. It's not exactly a comfort, Astra. It's not just any lighthouse, and you know that. Of course I do. Just as I know the fear that you feel. But you made a deal with your captain. She's not a devi like I am, so the deal is not as binding. But do have faith. As ridiculous as that sounds, coming from me. I suppose she did promise, but... Mallory. Yes? If it wasn't for Angelica, I would have lost my mind entirely. Is that what Tia took from you? Your mind? She took my fate thread, which holds all of my intelligence. <laughs> I'm surprised that she could hold on to it. <laughs> I adore that you can breathe levity into any situation. We can just see the chin, which is nice and chiseled and very manly, and a smile that is pearly white with these canines that are wicked sharp. Their skin is this strained lavender color, and their lips are frozen blueberries. And they smile. Now, this isn't like the raid on your lab. You are safe here. And you have more than just me. You have a captain that wants you on the right course. A master at arms that wants to see you in the proper stance. A legitimate doctor that wants you to be well. Not that yours isn't, but you can't go treating people with a doctorate. I was going to say. And a quartermaster, even though that man perplexes me. That's why I like him. He pushes you to be better, and keeps your mind sharp, and keeps you from knowing things that would otherwise break it. Regrettably, you two have that in common. It's because we care. Coco adjusts his hold on you, and moves to place his forehead against yours. Yes, all of these good things will eventually end, as do all things, but they all will start again, and all the while, I'll be there to hold you. And you're transported back to the lighthouse, but it's not the foreboding or the dreadful sense that you got before. This time, it is wondrous, it is new, and it is full of stars, as Astra begins to sing to you. Dear heart, I'll hold you when the circle has reached its end. When the stars fade out and start to fall, the end at last comes for us cries out her dying call, I'll hold you. When all the world has turned to rust, and time has lost all of our 
trust when knowledge cinders into dust hold and there's nothing that can stop me now since there's nothing left anyhow there's nothing left to do so I'll Fate has spun its final cast, and terror sadly breathes her last. When God forsakes creation's past, I'll hold And there's nothing that can stop me now. Since there's nothing left anyhow There's nothing left to do So I'll hold you Dear heart, I'll hold you Till the circle starts again. And as you return back to the present, the man in front of you is dissipating into stardust again. But right before he becomes fully incorporeal, he places his lips on your forehead and lets them linger until they finally disappear. The stardust swirls and glimmers until it finally sinks back into the small stone in your lap. And once more, you hear in your head, I'm glad I could hold the form long enough to show you. Oh my god. Uh, uh, Mallory, um, Mallory shakes awake, coming out of the sleep that Coco cast upon them in order to show them the dream of the lighthouse and the lullaby. And, and they're just just delightfully stunned for a long moment. Then they reach down to give the stone a little kiss. Starling, may I keep you in my pocket when I go to dinner? I would hate to be parted from you. And besides, it's warm in there. And I am but a cold, dying star. Can I knock on Mallory's door? Don't knock too hard or it will just fall forward into the room. (laughs) You have to knock and then pick the whole door up and rotate it and lean it up against the wall. Which normally would be easy for Diego, but he's sort of clutching his stomach. So it's sort of like a one-handed adjustment of the door to put it back. And as he turns back to face Mallory, he pulls out from under his shirt three bucklers. <sighs> okay, if we're going to be training tonight, I need to make sure we have the right size for you. So hold out your left arm. I need to size you for the buckler. Um, right, right, okay. Um, <laughs> and you can't see that Mallory's eyes are, like, super fucking red at the moment. But they, like, sniffle a bit. 
Let me just get this uh, bag out of the way a little bit so I've got the place to sit. You know, something about Diego just acting like Diego kind of brings Mallory back a bit. They smile, they give a little chuckle, and... Right, yeah, chaining, of, of course. And reach out their arm. This one is too big for you. You'll get some muscle and then we'll work up to it. I think this one is a much better size. Let me get that step. Oh, that's really heavy. That is surprisingly heavy. Are they supposed to be this heavy? Well, you want them to do some good when it comes to blocking. And if you want to give someone a little smack, you want it to have some heft behind it. Right. Yep. Of course. What if I can't hold it up that long? Well, we're not going to be in combat anytime soon. That's what the practice is for. Makes sense. Okay, perfect. Just wanted to make sure we had one in the right size. I didn't have to go do any leather working. So I will take these back and I will meet you in the armory tonight. All right. Armory. Tonight. Thank you, Diego. No problem. No problem at all. No. Diego. And Mallory gives Diego a big hug. Hey, bring it in. Fuck! Oh, I didn't know that was gonna get me. Oh no! This is supposed to be the spicy episode, oh, not the episode no. where we all cry. It is spicy. <sighs> it's so spicy, we're all crying. <laughs> <laughs> Which of the Iglesias brothers is chopping onions? Uh, all, all of them. them. <laughs> <laughs> it's just wafting through the ship. Oh, ow! Okay, my fucking heartstrings have been plucked. Oh, boy. Amboise, where are you? What are you doing? Uh, makes his way over to the captain's area, sees that there's blood on the door thill, grabs his handkerchief, wipes it off. Come in. Why do I get the feeling that Diego was not telling me the whole truth when he said there was just an explosion in the doctor's lab? Because you are my master wizard, and he is not. Hmm. Is there enough scone? Please. Sure, reach for one. How was your trip? Productive. Insightful. Things have been established, and should be able to be handled further without being much of an issue. As long as it stays discreet. <laughs> hmm. I don't think that will be a problem. You look tired, viejo. Nothing, a little bit of good rest, and maybe some time with Nala will hopefully fix. Get your rest tonight. You will reach port in the morning. Hmm. If you have some time, do you remember that thing I had asked you about earlier, the other thing with the book? The one you stole from the party. Did not steal. Acquired. Call it what you like. If it comes from my private library, and I'm simply renting it without a card to rent with, I see nothing wrong with that. <laughs> it's just a, a very raised Castilian eyebrow. <laughs> Don't give me that look. You know that it makes perfect sense. <laughs> well, yes, what about it? I was hoping you could give me some perspective on it. Well, I am not commanding tonight. And she gestures at all of her <laughs> wrapped up and like propped up on pillows in bed. So I will have time. It is a good read, I would say. But there is some elements to it that are beyond my understanding. She'll put forward a hand. 
And as he hands it to her, I'm trying to find a way to deal with people like us. Ooh. I think she pauses, like, in the exchange of the book, both their hands on it. Nothing has raised Angelica's hackles more, except save maybe the monster in her hold. What do I see in the book? You read this and you figure out that it is about the sword of Achilles. You were raised Vodachi and Castilian, so you were raised with the Vatacene pretty much heavily in your background. It's kind of why she hates all this talk of a, a war that, like, mortals aren't a part of, but it somehow affects us still. It's like, what a bunch of bullshit. The heel of Achilles? It's a sword that takes out sorcerers. But you've heard stories, specifically Decruit's Ritter members, which you know of as, like, the monster hunters of Aizen, are armed with weapons that glow like white-hot flames in the presence of sorcerers, and they wield them with specific intent to destroy the monsters and the magic users of the world. Not indiscriminately, of course. If a fate witch goes rogue or has fucked with the world enough, they may find themselves at the end of one of these blades. The third prophet had a flaming sword, and the third prophet was all about slaying magic and monsters. He was a bit tapped. He was like, all right, well, only God can grant miracles. I'm going to be the elitist zealot, and I'm going to destroy all of them. And so you realize as you're reading this, the heel of Achilles was wielded by one of the third prophet's paladins. It's out there somewhere in the world. And if Amboise gets his hands on it, it could deal a lot more harm than good. It would put eyes on us. It would put a very big target on you. Because the moment that the church knows that it exists, they're going to try to recover it. And you know for a fact, Angelica, that the Inquisition has within their arsenal assassins that hunt down people that have things they're not supposed to. Too many of these stories have been coming true around us. I'm sorry, Amboise, but I don't think it's wise for us to chase down another legend right now. There are enough targets on our backs as it is. Once we are finished, you and I will talk about this. And she has her hand on the book and slides it back to you. Takes it back, puts it away. Let's try to fight only one war at a time, huh? Uh, I'm pretty sure Diego would want it to be two or three. Speaking of wars, uh, mm, we fade away with him talking about the entire other war that's happening. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Bet. Yes. All right, I think before dinner... We could take a break, refill what we gotta refill, empty what we gotta empty. Mania buckets. And uh, get ready for the... the dinner. <laughs> the last supper. No, <laughs> the last supper. <laughs> <laughs> hey friends, Evan here. The voice of Captain Jesse Nakansa and the Devil Jonah. Welcome to the midreel. You know the drill. Empty what you gotta empty. Refill what you gotta refill and take a breather while we tell you about our sponsors. Are you looking to take your TTRPG experience to the next level? Let the Crafty Gamer take your senses on a new journey with aromas of adventures. Designed to enhance immersion through scent, each of their soy-based candles is hand-poured with care and with a myriad of different aromas, they are sure to have one most befitting the setting of your game. 
If you're in the market for Aromas of Adventure and other tabletop-inspired merchandise, visit thecraftygamer.com and use the code WRITERSROOM, all capital, for 10% off your purchase. Are you tired of handpicking your D10s out of your standard set of seven? So is Zoe. Handcrafted by our narrator, they specialize in custom sets of D10s and work with you every step of the way to help you narrate the game in your life. If you fancy a set for yourself, you can find them everywhere on social media at 10quillsdice and at 10quillsdice.com. Many Worlds Tavern is an online coffee company that provides coffee for your game night and tea for your tabletop. I'll get to my personal favorites in a moment, but first I need to tell you about their flagship product, Treasured Realm. On the first of every month, Many Worlds releases a limited edition batch of which only 1,000 bags are available. Every order comes with a numbered card, a limited edition sticker, and a D&D 5e magic item, and a set of dice. I, personally, am a big fan of Sacred Spring. It's got organic cinnamon, it's got hibiscus, it's got some plum flavoring. It feels to me kind of like a nice fall drink. It's really nice. I know it's currently not fall. I don't really care. It's nice and cozy. To get some for yourself, visit www.manyworldstavern.com and the first 100 friends to use the code WRITERS10, all capitals, at checkout will receive 10% off your order. And what's better is that Many Worlds gives back to the community. One dollar of each bag purchased is donated to gaming-related nonprofits. I'd also like to take a moment to shout out our Kofi officers. Thank you for helping us keep this ship afloat. If you would like to join the ranks of these fine folks, as well as Zoe in the writer's room at the top of each episode, sign up to be a part of the Kofi crew. We here at the writer's room support real art by real people in all of their creative expressive forms. For those of you who are members of our Discord and active on our socials, you may have seen all the incredible art illustrations made by the lovely and talented Emery Chelsberg. If you'd like to own some of the official Fate of the Thorn masterpieces, head over to his gallery using the link provided and know that 100% of the proceeds will go directly to him. And keep a weather eye out for more gorgeous art as we sail along. <sighs> we made it. Thank you for taking this break with us. And remember, you can find all the links to all of our sponsors as well as their respective discount codes in the description of this episode. Now, let's get back to the story. Dinner is being prepared by the Iglesias brothers tonight. It is going to be paella. Ooh. The four of them can't decide on what to make, and so they all have their own individual unique idea, and it always ends up as paella because you can throw all of it in one pot and it's fine. But the whole time, they are complaining. Hermano, you can't put avocado in the paella. Of course I can put avocado in the paella. Avocado makes everything better. (laughs) What do you think, Atigre? It is chicken or it is nothing, hermanos. (laughs) <laughs> as long as we put some beans in there you know I love my frijoles <laughs> and I get to put some shrimp in alright I will never understand your obsession with shrimp Alejandro <laughs> I love the idea that those brothers people are always like are they okay they fight a lot like what they're not fighting they love each other this is not fighting this is family time right now this is quality time and so dinner is ready they don't break out their instruments what they do There's a call that they make. It's called a grito, and that is what 
the Iglesias brothers do to announce that dinner is ready. I'm gonna try and do it without fucking ruining the mic, but it's like... All four of them do it. All four of them have a different tone. 30 seconds afterwards, the music starts playing. Because <laughs> they can't help it, right? Mallory, as you're walking towards the captain's quarters, Saya is passing you. Oh, fuck. Mallory stops and pretends they forgot something in their room and immediately turns around. Saya grabs you by the shoulder. Doctor, wait. Uh, um, yes? I just wanted to let you know that Angelica's a little out of it still. She took some lashes. I figured that she might. It was of a harrowing experience for everyone. Yeah. Are you alright? I'm fine. You're sure? I'm unhurt. Well, I mean, there was an explosion. I'm a little bit hurt. Dala will see to me later. I'm fine. Saya is trying really hard to look at your eyes, but because you have a sheaf of hair in front of it, it's very difficult. Even if the hair wasn't there, Mallory is not making eye contact. Saya's grip on your shoulder kind of increases a little bit, and then finally she... Right. Right. As long as you're okay. Everyone's okay. Just... That's all that matters. I'm fine, and, and I uh, apologize for uh, getting your wife into more trouble, I suppose. More than she usually gets into. We're always tangled up in something, aren't we? And her eyes pointedly look down at the bilge where everybody knows Tia is there. Well, I'm so glad we have a common enemy. She kind of awkwardly uh, brushes off some dust off of her pants and, uh, and nods a few times. Enjoy dinner. You too. Walks away. Mallory also awkwardly walks away. And you head to the cabin's quarters. Pay is all laid out. I'm just going to go ahead and be like, all right, you're in now. You're at the table. It's all set. Everything's done. The wine is out. If the wine is there, if it's not, it's... It's in Angelica's hands. Yeah, exactly. How full is that wine glass? What glass? What glass? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. Oh, this this one's mine. You can get your own. Love that for you. Mallory goes to sit down. They pull the chair out from the table with their ankle, like, with their foot, because both hands are shoved deep into their pockets, and they don't really seem inclined to remove them. Doctor? Hi. Thank you for joining me. Well, eat up. Uh, my brothers have uh, outdone themselves this time. I do not think I have eaten a single bite yet that has the same mouthfeel. <laughs> I love that so much. I think Mallory do does actually break into a little smile for a second there. And they do take one hand out of their pocket. They pick up a fork and start pushing the food around but they don't seem immediately keen on eating. They're nervous. They're just sort of shaking as they sit there. Angelica's eating. She's not sitting upon pretense or anything like that. She's got a little bowl, and occasionally she'll refill it with more food. She's got to get her strength back, and quickly. Saya said you, um, you took some lashes after the, um, after that whole ordeal. Are you all right? It's fine. It happens. You know, it's part of... <clears throat> it's an expected part of my sorcery. 
no magic in this world comes freely, and fate does not like when you mess with her plans. But I got sick of things not working out in my favor, so... All right, um... Well, genuinely, Captain, thank you for fixing that fate thread. Things would have gotten far worse without your intervention. Yes, um... Why don't you tell me a little bit about the thing that I saved tonight? Only if you'll tell me something in return. I told you I would. No more secrets between us, right? All right. You'll forgive me if I ask you to go first. Captain's prerogative. Of course. I am... I'm not exactly sure what you all thought of me when you first found me. But Coco... Coco has always been real. He's not a hallucination, not a psychotic break born out of isolation, regardless of how it may appear on the outside. I don't know how much you know of Sanderi's sorcery. He is, in fact, one of the Devi. A knowledge Devi, to be precise. As his Loshias, his keeper, I can hear his voice and talk to him, and have been doing so ever since he found us on the island. Our situation is maybe a bit unorthodox, but the general rules of devil and dealer still apply. Does that make sense so far? She takes a long sip and sets the bottle down. I know about this magic from Saya. Hmm. What has Saya told you about this magic? Enough. But Mallory, it would be wrong to say that what I first thought of you was anything other than brilliant and important and that has not changed when you are what we are the world shifts around you differently when you can do things that normal people cannot it changes how you see the world and your place in it she sits back in her chair Mallory, I know what it is to make a deal out of desperation. And you face the end, but you have so much left you want to do with your life. Mallory pulls back at that. They look quite offended. I was not desperate when I made a deal with Coco. Angelica blinks. She did not expect that. Interesting. What were you then? I was in love. They swallow, despite still not having eaten anything. You wouldn't understand. I may have been stranded on that island, but I was never in danger. That island had mysteries and knowledge beyond imagining. If anything, I thought it was a paradise. He thought it was a prison. In the end, we only left because he wanted to. Well, do you want to go back? Part of our deal is that I would show him the world. So no, not anytime soon, at least. Not without great cause. With all due respect, Captain, I feel like I've revealed quite a bit. Indeed. She reaches towards her chest and a thorny thread appears in her hand. She pulls on it, and the darkened section becomes visible. She lets the rest of it wrap around her arm, and the barbs kind of catch on her glove and bandages. When I was little, my mothers and I left our home in Vodachi. We were sent to the Villanova family holdings in the Atabayan. But we never got there. A storm came upon us 
and at the height of the chaos, our escort ship and ATC frigate laid into us with her broadsides. And once they crippled us, they fled out of the storm so that it could finish us off. She gets a little choked up here. My mother, Renata, tied me to a pair of empty casks and sent me over the side. I never understood why she didn't let me stay with her, but I had to watch as the sea took my parents and our entire lives down with that sheep. I don't remember much of the storm. I just remember the days after, waiting to join them. And when the fogs followed me up, I thought, oh, for sure, I am finally done. But I was pulled from the water and dropped onto the deck of a different ship. A dark ship. She's thumbing the dark part of her thread now. I don't need to tell you the ghost stories about him. In my opinion, he's only half of what they say. But also more. One thing is always true. He leaves a mark on anyone he meets. She lets go of her thread. So tell me, Mallory McCoy, does this being you love have your soul? If he wanted it, he could have it all. So not yet. Not yet. You can feel them watching the thread with a dark fascination, but their words are still a bit guarded. They understand what you're saying, but they are not looking to find common ground between the two devils in the room. She raises the bottle towards you. Congratulations. I can't recommend it. And she takes a long swig of the wine. Mallory gestures for it. She'll hand it over. They also take a not-quite-as-long swig. What about yours, then? I was 15 years old. I made the deal I made. I've learned to negotiate a little better since then. If I may be so bold, what deal did you make with the angel? One deal with the devil was enough for me. I made a promise to Saya that we would walk this life together, that I would be the sea, wild and dangerous, and she would be my sky, limitless and radiant. She knows about this, and she taps where her thread comes from. She knows the price I paid. I am not a fan of fighting the battles of myths and legends. I hate what is down in our hold right now. But I have spent more than a decade planning my revenge against the ATC. This child, whatever dark power she can wield, is nothing compared to what I intend to unleash on them. She gestures around the cabin at the ship. Mallory, you gave me a weapon. I'm going to need you for its upkeep. And if you think I would judge you for choosing a path that most would not, I am only a judge for my enemies, not my crew. Then our deal is still intact? The one I made when I boarded your ship and became a part of your crew? Your name is still in the charter, and she gestures behind you where it's hung up in a frame. Then, Captain, I will follow you to the ends of the ocean. Although... You say you don't want to get tangled in the battles of myths and legends. 
You probably shouldn't have married one. Angelica grins. Mallory McCoy, you of all people, I think have the least amount of footing on which to stand when it comes to telling me who to fall in love with. Mallory chuckles and nods and finally takes a bite of their meal. Zoe, can I see that Astra is here in the room? Are you reading right now? I think I will. Yeah, Astra's here in the room. His thread is very weak. It's the end of a candle where there's not a lot of wax left and there's barely enough wick to keep the flame and yet it is trying desperately to stay lit. I'll speak to Saya. What will you say? The truth. No, Captain, you really must not. I will not be told what I can tell my wife on my own ship, Doctor. She would not harm you. It's not me I'm worried about. Or this being. Captain, with all due respect, you are wrong. It's what she was built for. And Mallory immediately bites their tongue, like that was something they were not supposed to say out loud. No. Angelica will sit up again, even though it's painful. You don't know Saya like I do. Her relationship with death is not like yours or mine. But her story is hers, and it is not my place to tell you. I understand, but that is beside the point. Captain, please, I have never, never in the time I've been aboard this ship used this sorcery against you, against any member of the crew, except for Professor Barcroft, but he doesn't count. I have never ever let my relationship with this Devi interfere with the work being done here, except to make this ship more powerful. Please, do not let your relationship with Saya and the thing that possesses her push me from this boat, which I swear to you it will, if she knows what he is. Zoe. Mm-hmm. Do I think that is true about my wife? Oh, um, you're asking a very dangerous question of the narrator. I know. You know that Saya's relationship with death is very intimate, and that her days spent on the Green Mountain are serious to her. She doesn't take a life without knowing all of the outcomes beforehand, without understanding on a deep level that it is for the best. You've heard of the eternal conflict. It's always happening. It's always going on. The Vatacine harps on it all the time. You're not sure if this divinity are going to allow humanity to interfere with their conflict. You're not sure if Saya has a choice, just as you're not sure if Mallory has a choice. Hmm. Which means I have to make the choice. So the answer that I'm going to give you is, I don't know, Angelica. You ask a great deal of me, Mallory. Is there nothing I can give you in exchange? I've learned so much, I can tell you things about the Devi that would make the church fold in on itself. I don't give a fuck about the Vatican or this war going on. I have my own to fight. I will keep your secret. And I will ask things of you that I would not ask of any other person. Captain... You ask me to lie to my wife. To be fair, you weren't exactly clear with us about her. I would ask you, will you commit to this war, Mallory McCoy? I will create wonders and horrors for you, Captain Angelica. And I will keep the one in your pocket secret. Thank you. Dismiss with, and her eyes stray towards the direction of the bilge, 
You are going to help us get out of it. We all need to work together to get out of this and get back to the thing which we are supposed to be doing. She taps a couple times on the table. And then her finger keeps tapping like she's already burned through the bit of patience that she got back. I need to rest. She kind of lays back in her reclining couch, whatever she's in. If you must tell her, at least give me time to pack my things. If it should become necessary, I will ensure that you are not on the ship. And with that, Mallory will finish their meal and then leave. Angelica, your read is still on. You notice that the threads, the smoke around Mallory is almost like a mantle, a big flowing cloak kind of deal, or perhaps a a pair of wings that are held slightly open and draped. But that smoke lingers, and you get the strangest sense that something watches you, but not in an intimidating manner. It's a little melancholy. It's pity. You get the sense that this creature turns away from you, almost in sadness, as the smoke dissipates. Angelica reaching for a glass from the table, and her hand shaking slightly as she raises it to her lips. I call for Miss Cade, for whichever Iglesias brother is the best sharpshooter. Paco and Diego. And Diego. Mr. Iglesias, she looks at Paco. See, Capitan, did you not like the paella? It was delicious. See, I told you. He elbows Diego. I told you frijoles make everything better. Uh, Not everything. At attention. Ask Miss Slightly to tie a rope around your waist and to lower you over the side of the ship, outside the brig, with your musket loaded. See, Capitan. She looks at Gabriella. Turn Isadora around and point her at that space of the ship. You got that right crazy bitch look in your eye. I'll see it done. And then she looks to Diego. You will help me downstairs. I'm going to get some answers. I will not be fooled by an angler fish again. Not anymore. Mm. Ooh, yes. Let's fucking go. <laughs> <laughs> and we transition into the bilge area. Where we see Pago set up outside, Diego standing with Angelica, and Gabriella facing Isadora into the brig. Mallory, I believe, is going to put themselves in harm's way in pursuit of knowledge. Bet! Take that hero point. Yeah, I think I will, thank you. Not to my knowledge. Not to your knowledge. No, not to your knowledge. Not even a little bit. I don't think we see Mallory in the initial camera pan. If you watch it the second time and you're looking for them, you'll find them. (laughs) It's one of those camera tricks where it's like, it's really dark there, but if you're really paying attention, you'll see it. They're in the vents, baby. They're in the rafters. Dala, are you there? I like the idea that Dala is like just outside the door as like kind of a bodyguard thing. She's not in the room, but at any sound of a scuffle, she's she's right there. And Boaz, are you there? Nope, because... He doesn't know everything about what's going on, so he doesn't fully understand. Heard. Then the camera turns as we face Tia. Tia is sitting, perfectly still, her legs off the edge of the bed, 
her hands palm up on her lap, staring back and forth between Diego and Angelica. Enough games. Tell us what you are. Are you sure you can handle the truth? I don't think you would give us much of a choice for much longer. You've treated us kindly so far. I wish I could say the same thing about you. You had something that didn't belong to you. But you deserve it. It's our mother's apple. It belongs with us. Then when I said we would return it, why did you choose violence? People cannot be trusted, and we'd do anything for mother. You still have not answered my question. I hope you're all ready to know. She gestures at everyone around her. Enlighten us. Do you know of the Seventh Sea? She just curses under her breath. Our fucking legends. It's no legend. It's real. Always has been. Always will. Why my ship? Why my crew? It was you who rescued us, remember? You stole from us. We are only doing what is in our nature. What do you want? We want to go back home. We did not mean to burden you. Mother is missing us. How do we send you back there? Bring us back to our bed. So you just want to go back to sleep? It's what Mother wants. Until the sea that swallows finally arises. You hear a choking sound from somewhere in the room. (coughs) Is there something you want to share, Doctor? Mallory comes as gracefully as they can, which is not very gracefully, descending from the rafters, and they fall into a crumpled pile. Um, sorry, Captain. In case you needed backup. I think she just looks at Diego standing next to her and then at Dalla waiting on standby and the entire order of Marines at her back. <laughs> Dalla's peeking in after hearing the like clattering of Mallory hit the floor. Just like everything good in there? Oh, okay. And then goes back. Intellectual backup, Captain. They clear their throat and look back at Tia with their jaw kind of clenched. This is broaching some pretty sensitive territory. Are you sure you don't want to go into another room? This may not be the best space for it. We are not getting any further from Numa, Mallory. All right, well, they sort of lean in very secretively towards Angelica. The sea that swallows, or the river they feeds, in its entirety it is the collective space where forgotten things go. All sorts of things can get taken by Lathe. Uh, Memories, souls, and spirits fallen stars. What I'm saying is, if she has any relation to it, we want to be out of her hair as fast as possible. I know, I want her gone as quickly as we can, but shall I, Tia, sitting there? She said it was coming anyway. Mallory looks back at Tia. Is it coming within our lifetimes? Or does it intend to continue at its usual, eternal pace? If events continue on their pace... The sea that swallows will leave no trace. And that's not a problem for you, because... We will rejoice when it all comes to an end, for we will be refreshed when it all begins again. We are the sea itself, 
A drop of oblivion caught. We are the seventh sea. We are known as Tiamat. Mallory knows some things about the seventh sea, right, Zoe? Everything's canon about the seventh sea. The stars and the sun and the moon are in the same sky. The waters are silver. Some people believe that's where the dragon went, that they're not dead. Some people believe that's where the Devil Jonah's locker is. It is where the Fae actually came from. There's tons and tons and tons of mythical lore about it. But I think the thing that Mallory would glean from this is that it is an oblivion of sorts. It has nothing of its own. And so whatever falls into it becomes it. That's the reason she was able to take the fate threads. Anything that touches her becomes hers. And if we put her back, what then? Well, if she just wants to go back to her mother, then hopefully everything should solve itself. But you can't destroy her. She's a spirit of the Seventh Sea. To do so would to be attempt destroying the sea itself, which is simply beyond your capabilities or mine. I have no delusions of destroying it. Casadores, stand down. You hear Paco outside the window. <laughs> Can we die? Can I come back inside? It's very cold out here. Your grace. We will see you safely to your bed. And I hope never to cross paths again. She looks at you for a very long time and nods her head once. Could we ask a favor? Asking is free. Favors are not. We would like to speak to the one who holds the key to the door. Primo, please fetch Mr. Pendragon. See, si, Capitan. Who is currently up on the top deck, trying to reel back in. Paco. Gracias. Gracias. <laughs> oh, he's so cold. I mean, Ruby was down there with me, but... Oh, it's very cold. Thank you, Ruby. And we hear a distant splash. Uh, so then Diego comes to the top deck with a nice, big, warm blanket for Paco. Ah, oh, there's me and Mama. There he is. There he is. He grabs him and like kisses him twice on the cheek and the whole thing and like wraps himself up in the in the poncho. Good work, uh, Pendragon. Mm. We're going to have you speak with Tiamat. What? Uh, Zutalor. And now you know why she's not allowed to touch the door. Mm-hmm. Why do I feel I'm going to regret this? Okay. Uh, if it makes you feel any better, I have begun thinking of a plan. <sighs> Let's just see if we live long enough to get to see it through. Come on. You head down. For the first time, you see the young girl as they are. A primordial sea. <sighs> well, this explains so, so much. It is an honor and pleasure to meet you. What would you ask of me? Do not let the sea that swallows into the way. Forgive me. It is bold of you to assume that I would let that happen. But at another level, it is also bold of you to assume that I could even stop that from happening. You are already on the path to finding something that will help. How does one hold back the unlimited wrath and tide that is a sea? Tiamat grins again. 
By finding the one who spilled it. And then what? Are you expecting us to go and restrain someone? Assassinate someone? Not that that's a problem. That is perfectly fine. I'm spending five danger points. Tiamat's form begins to roil and churn like waves in a storm. They lose their human shape entirely and are floating before the crew as the embodiment of the ocean, untamable, vast, and deep. A jet of surf strikes each officer, drenching them instantly. And when you open your eyes, you are viewing the world from Tiamat's perspective. The muffled shifting of earth, streaks of light breaking through sod. Then, all at once, sounds flood in. Voices speaking in Thean, manacles clasping upon wrists, chains clinking, metal screeching. You are hauled from your place of rest. Men with white swirly hair dressed in blue take you from people who treated you with reverence. As you are carried away, you watch them uncover an ancient urn, one you held in sleep. They pour a pitch-black liquid from it into a more modern-day vase. They pluck an apple from your mother's tree, and they defile your final resting place. A cloth covers your vision. You remember the sweet smell of almonds, and then there is nothing. The vision ends, and you are all back in the moment, as Tiamat reforms into the child with haunted eyes. They mean to control the ocean. They do not realize they have the wrong sea. I think Angelica just starts laughing. <laughs> How fortuitous. If you are to make us your champions... Could not have picked a better crew for this task. Bring her some food. Angelica leaves to go above deck. Tiamat slides their wrists out of the manacles. God fucking damn it. Fucking liquid. There's no reason. <laughs> I was going to ask when they came back into their like human form if they were still wearing them at all because they just turned into water. Okay, well, I'm not going to let these go to waste. Mallory takes the manacles back. As you approach Tia Mallory, she does lean in rather close and whisper so only you can hear. We are sorry about your star, but we needed to know. You are not forgiven. Not for this. But on behalf of your mother, I'll take up your cause. Tiamat only nods and then looks over at Diego and holds up the stuffy that you made her. Thank you for your kindness. We've never had a father before. Oh, Iha. You grow up so fast. And they will walk off towards the galley. There should be some paella left. Camera turns away from the brig and follows... Angelica, where are you going? Angelica comes up from below decks past Dala, and as she walks by, she gives her an order. Miss Bronson, studding sails. Increase our speed with all haste. Aye, Captain. Miss Slightly, full slack. Aye. She starts calling out orders to get the ship going faster, faster, faster. And she passes Saya on, like, the quarter deck 
Angelica, what's going on? Are we being chased? No, but we might be in a little bit. The sea herself has joined the fight against the ATC. What? Wait, hold on. Angelica- It's going to work out, Neomor. Trust me. But first, I need to go talk to a ghost. Angelica walks through her quarters and stands at the railing of her gallery at the stern of the ship. She looks out at the darkening sea as the sun is setting, and under her breath she whispers, Okay, you old bastard. I'm going to need your help for this one. Devil Jonah. Oh, fuck! Okay. Show's about dads. (laughs) It's always been about dads. Spicy Christ. Spicy Christ, indeed. The spiciest Christ. (laughs) So, the camera kind of zooms in to Angelica's eye into the very pupil, and it goes black for a second. And when we zoom back out, Angelica, you're not on the deck of your ship. You're not on the thorn. Ooh, okay. You're not even in the same sea. It's frozen out here. There's snow. Waves coming up that freeze. Ah, my sweet spitfire. What is it you be doing here aboard me decks? In front of you stands a looming shadow. It resembles the figure of a man, but there's a gaping, burning hole in the center of his chest, and a skeletal hand reaches out to caress your cheek. Have you come to pay your dues? Actually, I was hoping for an advance on my allowance. <laughs> This be a bit of serendipity. I find myself with an overabundance of treasures. You tell old Jonah what gift you'd like. Well, I know your ship would be hard-pressed to stay lost beneath the waves for very long. And I am about to go up against more ships than any sane captain would dare attack on their own. I bet you'd love to see the look on those ACC souls standing here freezing on your deck as they say that the ship they sunk leapt out of the waves and sunk them instead. Is that something you could manage for me, you old skeleton? Mm. That'd be a mighty gift indeed. Well, perhaps in exchange... I'll be needing more from you. What's another couple hundred? That's my girl! (laughs) The souls aboard who serve him laugh as well, compelled by the mirth of their master. What are you laughing for? Get back to work! And the devil leans down. Here, Angelica. He reaches behind him and pulls out... What is it, everybody? What gift does the Devil Jonah have? Let's writer's room this. I don't know if I'm, like, mentally fit for the writer's room right now. (laughs) (laughs) What's the intent? We cannot take on enough water to sink, and if we do, we allow it to happen so that we can then pop back up out and sneak attack. It's a bubble wand. (laughs) Blow a big bubble around the ship. (laughs) That's funny. Because I was picturing it's like a really ornate fancy bottle. 
You it's a ship in a bottle. It's just no, stop, Brittany. It's a ship in a bottle. You're a genius. It's a ship in a bottle, but the bottle is filled with water. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you pop the cork and empty the water out, and that flushes the water out of our boat. We're done. Fuck, that's so good. Oh, mm, that's mm, so good. Mm. Everybody, take a hero point. The spice. <laughs> <laughs> so spicy. The devil hands you a ship in a bottle. It was once full of rum, but is now full of water and a miniature replica of the thorn floating within. And once your ship sinks below the breakers, pour this bottle out on your deck and the sea will spit you out. Uh, Mind ye, it'll only be the one, so use it wisely. That's quite a trick. Will this work? Even against a sea that swallows? The devil grins. And when he does, the holes in his cheeks widen. And we can see more of his rotting teeth. (laughs) Ah, She takes all. Even the devil cannot escape the black water. She just grins and looks almost down her nose at him, even though he's above her. When were you going to tell me the world was about to end? You know how much I enjoy watching souls suffer. Why spoil the surprise? Well, in that case, the way I see it, everyone's getting what they want. You're all limes and vinegar, my dear. Now, get to it. Thanks, Dad. I'll see you around. And when you blink again, you're at the back of the thorn, looking out into the waters, clutching a ship in a bottle. She'll walk up and take the helm from Kieran. Vamanos, Cazadores! We sail to Numa with the sea on our side and the devil chasing at our heels. Well. (laughs) Holy shit. The spiciest paella. Spicy Christ. We might need some milk after that. Jeez. Sorry, Greg. Sorry. I didn't mean it. Anyway, remember how I said at the beginning of this I was going to elaborate a little bit more? Well, now's the time. What you heard was a song that I came up with in a dream. I remember waking up at the ungodly hours of the morning, having remembered the melody, recorded myself singing it so that I couldn't forget it, and then reached out to a few composers that I knew to see if we could turn my dream into reality. And we did. Jolene Kaur sat with me and helped compose the melody, and Paul Spanigal, the voice of Mesquite that you've heard in the first season, came back to be the singing voice of Astra. Thank you both so very much for turning this dream into a reality. And the good news that I have is that the song is out on Spotify as we speak. And it will be released in other streaming services soon. So go add it to your playlists because I know you want to hear it again. And if you're followers of our Discord, you can find the sheet music in case you want to play it for yourselves. And until then... I hope the song keeps you company as you wait for the next episode. And remember, be safe and well.